So you guys are stuck with me tonight. I'm super excited to teach tonight. It'll be fun. Um, tonight we're going to consider the Father's love. Uh, have you guys noticed an increase in taking up offense? Where if you're at a red light some, and you're behind someone and it turns green and they don't turn, and you're like, should I honk? Because I might get shot if I do. Or people are, are taking offense quickly nowadays. It's, it's frightening. Um, and this world needs the Father's love. And it's a love from the heavens. God is love, the Bible tells us. How, how cool. So that to say, I want to clarify, love is not God. But God is love. He's the source of love. So we see in Revelation this picture of heaven. We see a river running through. And in the middle of that river is a tree, a tree of life, right? And that tree bears 12 fruits, 12 different fruits. That's really cool. Um, I think that's a pretty good depiction of the love of God in this life. The Holy Spirit being a river that, that gives living water to a tree, which is love, which bears many different fruits. And the Bible teaches us that the fruit of the Spirit, which is a singular fruit, the fruit is love, and then goes on to say all the things that love produces, which is pretty cool. And this world just, just needs the love of the Father. So we're going to consider that tonight. And, and one of the main reasons is because I, um, I love taking on new things. I guess we are starting a podcast for something better, our young adults ministry. And the introduction to that podcast is introducing people to something better, which is the love of God versus the love of the world. So for the past couple of weeks, we've been studying and praying on and meditating on and writing on the love of God. And so that's what you're stuck with tonight. <laughs> but it's been awesome. It's been really cool because it's a powerful love. If you look at Jesus and the life he lived, well, you see the love of God in action, don't you? Of course, in the cross, dying for us. Um, you know, Jesus literally di actually died for his, father's, for his father. His father commanded him to do it. It was that love, the father's love, right? That he went to the cross. It's a greater love, Jesus calls it. We're going to look at that tonight, a greater love. It's the love from the heavens. Okay, so that's what we've been trying to, trying to depict on this uh, Something Better show that we're trying to make. So please pray for that. And then when you try to tackle the love of God in just 30 minutes or so, you know, it's not going to happen. So I just want to say this is not an all-inclusive, complete covering of the topic of the love of God. But back to where the world is right now. I was at the airport recently, and I always look for the shortest TSA line like everyone else on the planet. And I saw that with this spot there was no line, but I was suspicious, but I, I went there anyway. And sure enough, I talked to the lady, and she goes, you're in the wrong line. And I was like, oh, okay, I thought so. But then she's going to tell me where the correct line is. And while she's talking to me, another woman walks up, and she says, excuse me, I'm just needing to get through. Um, she's a TSA employee. 
the lady I'm talking to says, ma'am, I need you to back up a few steps. And when I'm done dealing with this gentleman, I'll let you uh, proceed. And then the lady who was asked to back up said, you don't need to take that tone with me. And at that point, I was like this. <laughs> so lines over, over here, you say? Okay. But this woman took up offense, and she didn't need to. She didn't need to. And that's the way this world is going. We're, we're taking up offense. When, why? Um, Christ said in the end days that lawlessness will abound. It will increase. And therefore, the love of many will wax cold. And I think we're seeing that. We're definitely seeing lawlessness increase. And we're definitely seeing love wax cold. Um, but that's why we're here, church, is to be the love of God in a world that, that is waxing cold day by day. Amen? Amen? So let's pray. Father, we just come before you. I do thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your graciousness, your kindness toward us, your long-suffering toward us. Lord, the peaceful thoughts you have toward us and the plan you have for us. And, and so, God, we come before you now. We just ask, would you, would you fill this room with your presence and with your spirit? We're talking about you, your name, your nature, your love. And God, uh, would you use this time to encourage our hearts, to rebuke us, to clean us, to cleanse us, uh, to restore us to you uh, should we need it. And use this time, Lord, we pray for your name and for your glory. Lord, that your kingdom would advance, that people would come to know you and know salvation as well. So Jesus, we, we surrender to you this time and just ask your blessing upon it. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so pretty cool stuff. The things from the heavens that are something better than the world. Definitely the best one is the love of God. Um, we're going to go and take a look at some of Christ's last words to his disciples. If you want to turn to John 15, starting in verse 9. We're to consider the love of the Father. To kind of set the context a little bit. I want you guys to also just consider different various places where Jesus talks about the love of the Father. And the exciting thing, the exciting truth that that love is in us. When I consider the love the Father had for the Son, I don't doubt that love. I'm absolutely convinced the Father loved the Son in great ways. When given opportunity, God publicly said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, right? Man, the love of the Father was manifest. Okay. So Jesus says at the very end of John 17, and I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. That's the love that we're looking for. The love of the Father, the same love that was in Christ inside of you and I. That's a powerful love. We saw that love in the life of Christ when Christ wept. John eleven thirty five. 35. The love of the Father is kind of this all-in love, isn't it? Christ is all in with us and the love that he has for us. He's all in. He cries with us. John eleven thirty five. 35, it says, Jesus wept. That's where Lazarus had died. Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus. And yet, when he sees the multitudes, he sees them crying, he weeps. And they say, do you see how much he loved him? 
right? That's the love of the Father, it, it, willing to weep. And so when the love of the Father is shown through our lives, we cry with one another, don't we? And we cry for one another. What a cool love. You know, one of the rebukes that Jesus gave, Matthew chapter 11, he's like, he says, you know what? You're like children in the marketplace who say, you know, we, we did a dirge for you and you did not dance. We played the flute and you did not weep. This numbness in society. A sad, sad story doesn't draw a tear anymore, you know? I think we, can be, we, we need to be very cautious that we don't grow numb. It's not easy, though, is it? Because the world is bombarding us with sad stories and just injustices and hardships and, and tough things, and we can begin to grow numb. And we've got to protect that. We've got to remain people who weep with those who weep and cry with those and laugh with those who laugh. Okay. John 15, verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. This is a happy, happy verse. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Well, let's consider how did the Father love the Son? How did the Father show his love? Well, the Father didn't keep any secrets from the Son, did he? And Jesus, we're going to see, he didn't keep any secrets from his disciples. The Father's love for the Son drove the Son to righteous life. You know, if you abide by the fruits of the Spirit, the Bible tells you there's no charge against you. Isn't that cool? That's the Father's love for the Son. It was a pure life, a pure path, an answer to all the problems in this world. Deuteronomy chapter 6 tells us that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? Right? And Jesus affirms that. He doesn't take that away. He doesn't take that command away from us. He affirms that. And then Jesus says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Deuteronomy 6 goes on to explain who, what is a person like who loves God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'll read it to you really quick. It says, and these words which I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you are in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them down on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the love that is depicted in the Old Testament towards God. How cool because in the New Testament, now, through Christ, we have that. I bet you a lot of you meditate on God's word a lot. When you assess what uh, situation in your, in your work scene and in your life or in your family, you rub it up against God's word. Everything in life, every situation in life, if you're wise, you're going to do that, right? You're going to put it up to God's word and discover, how do I handle this tough situation in my life? Guess what? That's somebody who loves God. That's somebody who loves the Word. Guys, congratulations. That's awesome. That's a fruit of the Spirit. That is a fulfillment of Deuteronomy chapter 6 in your Gentile life, thousands of years later, because of Christ and what he did. That's really cool. You know, the enemy wants you to think you don't love God. 
that you're not excited about God. If you really were legit, this, you'd be doing this and you'd be doing that. But I think when life really presses in and your heart's tested, you love God. When he, when he asks you to do something, you do it. And I want you to be encouraged by that. So Christ says, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Well, that sounds nice and easy. Have you read the scripture? And, and there's more scriptures like this right here in Jesus' last words to his disciples that are just super awesome. Abide in my love. The, Father, the same love the Father has for me, he has for you. Abide in my love. Oh, that sounds great. If you can keep my commandments. Oh, here we go again. Kind of sounds a little bit like Old Testament Jesus just showed up. But wait, you're the one who fulfilled all these laws. And now, oh man, how am I going to abide? I know I can't because of my flesh. I'm going to screw this up. I want, how, when will this happen? When will I abide in your love? Is, is abiding in the Lord's love just a temporary thing at best because we're flesh and because we sin? In a moment's notice, you're no longer abiding. And now you're back again. Okay, you repented. You're cle- that, that's religion, right? That's what religion is trying to do and create. And that's a false peace. So I don't want you to hear condemnation when you hear Christ say, if you keep my commandments. I want you to hear hope. I want you to hear it's actually possible. Deuteronomy 6 can be complete through the Holy Spirit. Okay. I think the disciples were bummed out when they heard it too. Because then Christ (laughs) says things to cheer them up. So I wonder if he said verse 10, you know, I kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. If he looked at the disciples and they kind of felt like, man, this is the bomb out part of walking in Christian life. It's like I can't do the work. I can't pull it off. How can I abide in his love? How can he give me that command? And now here I am again, just like the Old Testament. So Christ sees that they're bummed out, and he says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. He's saying, Disciples, you can abide in my love. And I'm telling you that so to make you happy, to give you joy, to give you fullness of joy, to give you lasting joy. You can abide in his love. I love this commandment that's coming our way. I love it, and you will too. But guys, do you get happy hearing that you can abide in his love if you keep his commandments? Does it make you happy? Does it give you joy? Joy, of course, is better than happiness. Does it stir hope in you? I don't know if it did in the disciples. I'll tell you this, until you know Jesus, I don't think it will stir hope in you. But if you know him and his spirit lives in you, oh, guys, you get to abide in his love. So you can have hope. And then that your joy may be full. This is a joy. This is a, a, a something better video we're going to do. It's the joy of the Lord, not, not the world's joy. The joy that comes from the heavens, the joy that's something better. Okay, verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Okay. All right, sweet. We can do it. 
Church, we can do it. We can love one another. We can decide I'm not going to take up a fence. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to pick it up. In fact, you can use any tone with me, and I'm going to say, you know what? I'm on a fallen planet. That dude's having a bad day. Lord, please help that man who just used that terrible tone with me. I am not going to pick up that offense. We can love one another. That's good news, isn't it? We can love one another. All right. So, greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. This is so cool. You guys, this is where Jesus calls us friends. That's awesome. He died to appease the wrath of his father. He did. He died because he loved his father, and he died for his friends. How cool. So it's a greater love. It's a greater love than the world gives. It's, it's opportunity. Just check this out, you guys. Every day, we have opportunity to do greater love and walk in greater love every single day. Greater than this world has to offer. And how much more we know that it needs it now. Well, this is good news. Does it give you joy? I think it does. So this is the Lord's commandment. Isn't this cool? This is my commandment, that you love one another. <laughs> How awesome. He says, follow me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light, right? And it's just love one another. That's my commandment. And when, in loving one another, we all abide in his love. In loving one another, our joy is fulfilled and complete. But guys, unless we are really doing it, when can our joy be full and complete? Have you gone on a mission trip? Many of you have. Have you gone to serve? Maybe in children's ministry, maybe high school, maybe somewhere else. Maybe in prison ministry. I've never known anyone to go and do that and not, not walk away with greater joy, greater love. It's greater. It's from the heavens, can't be bought. 7-Eleven does not sell this kind of love. Can't do it. <laughs> All right. Lay down your life for your friends. That's, that's put your friends first. That's, no, you can, you can take shotgun. Right? I'll wash the dishes. You relax. It's just, it's easy. It's everyday stuff. Easy stuff. Okay, that's the greater love. Now he comes back to, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Oh, man. Now here's the condition again. It's more obedience. Why are we coming back to this condition of obedience? I'll tell you what. Anyone who truly is Christ's friend is somebody who actually knows who Christ is. He knows us. And he allows us to know him. Do you remember when there are those people who are saying, hey, Lord, we, you know, we, uh, we did a lot of great things for you. We worked miracles in your name. And the Lord says, get away from me, because actually I never knew you. We were never even friends. Okay. Friendship is knowledge of somebody. Friendship doesn't have secrets. Friendship is honest. You know, the uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Real friendship says, 
dude, I see this in your life and I'm, I'm worried it's got to stop. Or uh, I, I heard that tone you had with your wife. Bro, is that how you talk to your wife? You shouldn't do that, right? Those things, that's a real friend. A real friend jumps in. A real friend is all in. A real friend cries with you, right? You can have family members who have zero empathy or sympathy for anything you do. <laughs> Even a family member you can hear your story and not cry, but a real friend will cry with you. And that's what Jesus is calling us. He's calling us friends. So I want to say this. If you really know Jesus, you know you're willing to do whatever he commands you. You're willing to do it. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Okay, he's a big dude, but I'll go talk to him about you. <laughs> right? Because Jesus is a good friend, and he's not going to ask anything of you that isn't awesome. My friend Luke just says, he does excellent things. Doesn't he? I think Luke nailed it. He's a good friend. Okay. So let's be Jesus' friend. And the, the more of a friend he is, the less concerned you are about what he commands you to do. Because it's always good. Okay. No longer do I call you servant, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus hasn't hidden anything. Abraham was completely at a loss for what God was doing back in Genesis. And God, Jesus incarnate, shows up. And it's fun because he says within his own mind, but they write it in scripture for us to see, that he decides, should I tell Abraham what I'm doing? He has this thought. And then decides, well, you know what? It has a lot to do with him, so I'm going to tell him what I'm doing. But now Jesus is like, he doesn't hide anything from us. He's not hiding his will. He's not hiding good things from us. It's all out there in the open. When we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another, right? That's what Jesus is talking about here. The, the transparency, walking in the light, hiding nothing, and that deep fellowship that comes as a result, right? And that's, that's who we are to him. We're friends. Now he says, you, in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Wow, what a big one. I hope this one brings us joy too. So who chose who? Well, he makes it obvious. Um, I initiated all of this. <laughs> I'm the author of it. I'm the author of your salvation. I'm the one who chose you. I'm the one who initiated it all. I began it. One of the cool things about following the life of Christ is that he initiates everything. When people come to test him, he flips the whole thing on them, and now he's got control of the whole conversation. It's wild. He even has control over the demons. Nope, nope, you're not talking about me. Quiets them, right? He's always in control. It's easier to follow somebody and do what they command you when that person is always in control. You know, Jesus doesn't come to us with uncertainty. Well, I'm not sure which way I want you to go with that, so I'm, I'm going to flip a coin. You know, no, he's very certain. He knows exactly what he wants you to do and where to go and how to go, and he's worth following. So he's our friend, he's our commander. 
He hears from the Father and tells us everything. He chose us and he appointed us. He assigned us. That word appointed. You have an assignment. You've been given an assignment. And Jesus has given each of us an assignment. And that is that we should go and bear fruit and that our fruit should remain. Now, bearing fruit that remains. That's fruit that overcomes this world. That's a fruit that, that impacts eternity. That's a fruit that has lasting um, benefits. Amen? Bearing fruit that remains. That's what we were appointed for. That's a big thing. People sometimes might ask you, what's the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life? Well, the purpose of life is to bear the fruit that God has appointed us to bear. And that that fruit should remain. And what else? For his glory, right? So guys, you have fruit to bear. In this world that's waxing cold, God has fruit for you to go out and bear. And that fruit is to remain. Unlike the love of the world, the love of the Father is forever. And that fruit remains. All right. So what is he talking about asking in his name? He says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Okay. Well, that's cool. Apparently, y'all aren't asking for private jets in his name yet. So I don't know of any of you. Well, obviously, it doesn't mean we can ask for anything and just say, in Jesus' name, as though it's a magic potion. Although we do say, in Jesus' name, often, and I bet often, like you and, and myself, we kind of take away the value of what that really means, the significance of what that really means. Okay? And when we ask for something in God's name or we ask for something in Jesus' name, what we're asking for is, I want this in character and in alignment with who you are. I'm asking for things that are in alignment with your ways and your will. That's what I'm asking for. Not my, my, not my own. All right? That's asking something in God's name. Now, asking something for God's name. That's a little different. Now, I'm asking for something. Lord, for your name's sake, will you heal my friend? For your name's sake, will you revive our community for, for your name, for your glory? Now, that's another thing, isn't it? But both are very powerful. So, asking in, God, in the name... in. God's name in the name of his son. Now, verse 17, these things I command you, that you love one another. Back to the simple command. And this is it. This is why we're here. And so go and study 1 Corinthians 13 and, and what love looks like. Love does not take up offense at the airport, at TSA, for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Right? And go and study that. But I think there are some in here who are having different reactions to this section of Scripture. Where, where Jesus says, abide in me. You're my friend if you do what I command you. Uh, my Father will live in you. His love will live in you if you keep my commandments. And all those things. It sounds a little bit like, yeah, that's great, that's fine. But I'm just not there. I don't believe I can keep his commandments. I've actually been a Christian, and I'm, it's just been a, a terrible struggle since day one. <laughs> and it can be hard, okay? Some of you might hear that and say, sweet, 
I absolutely love obeying him. It's my joy. And it's my gladness. And it's what I wake up to do. Some of you are in a place where you're in absolute romance with obedience. And you should be. And guess what? That's a sign of some good maturity, spiritual maturity. But some of you, if you're really, really honest, are like, man, I just don't love God with everything. I'm just not fully there. I believe in him. I believe in his son. I, I believe he sent his son to die for me. I believe he loves me. Um, I'll even take a lie detector test that says I truly believe all of that. But I'm just really not stoked on him. Well, it's the end of my sermon, so we'll... <laughs> Guys, thanks for being honest if that's you. God can spark a love for him in your life and is planning to and has a plan to get you there. You're not the first one to be there. And if you're truly honest, you're not the first one to truly be honest with God and look at him and say, hey, yeah, I like you. But love with everything? I just don't. Peter was there. So we're going to take a look at the, the last little encounter with Peter when God was very faithful to restore Peter. So you know, we all know that uh, Peter did, uh, made a huge mistake and decided to brag that I will never allow you to die for me. I'm not going to, God forbid, right? And Jesus said, hey, you're going to actually deny me three times. Tough guy. And then that's exactly what happened. Okay, so go ahead and turn to John 21. We're going to look at verses 15 to 19. The restoration of Peter. It's super cool. Hopefully it brings you encouragement. All right, so Peter has denied Christ. We know that he wept bitterly, the Bible tells us. He wept so bitterly because he know, knows he... he Denied the anointed, the anointed one. And Jesus isn't going to let that just sit out there, although Peter has to rest on that for a little while. Peter goes back to fishing, and then in the middle of the night, he catches a huge load of fish because Jesus uh, revealed himself to Peter again. Peter dives in the water, swims, and he's so anxious to see Jesus again. How cool. You guys, our Savior is awesome. Like, you, your sin that you did yesterday, today, this morning, whenever, is a denial of Christ. It's a denial of him, his power, his authority, because guess what? You can abide in him. But I'll tell you what, Jesus is super excited to reconcile that. Because he's paid for that sin. So Peter's denial, Jesus paid for it on the cross. And he was ready to reconcile it. So Peter swims into shore. You know the story. 153 fish were caught. Every fisherman tells you the exact amount and then adds four. Um, no, but they drag the net in. And Jesus is so great, he feeds Peter. You don't have a serious discussion until he, well, you're super hungry. Right? So Jesus feeds Peter. And then he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Oh, excuse me, he says it a little different. 
Uh, John 21, starting in verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? There's debate about what he's pointing at. Is he pointing at the other disciples? Is he pointing at the fish? I firmly believe he's pointing at the fish. But because uh, Peter went back to fishing, went back to the familiar. And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Okay, let's get into the Greek a little bit here. We got a diagnosis. This matters. And this is for you who are like, I am really tired of being told to abide in Christ and not empowered to overcome these stupid sins, and I'm burned out on being a Christian. So I'm talking to that person right now. Okay. And so Peter's like, Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape love me? That means, do you love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? That Deuteronomy love that we're supposed to have for the Father commanded of us. That's the, the bar, right? Peter says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo love you, which is like a brotherly love. And he's like, yes, you know that. Now, we got to remember, Peter was just a few days ago saying, I would die for you, royally bombed out on that one. Now Christ fed him, and Christ is going to face the situation. The only way he knows and Christ determines, and Peter's, Peter's response to Christ is, I don't love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, but I do love you as a brother. So Peter was going to admit that. He, he wasn't going to concede that. But he wasn't about to say, I would lay down my life for you. Because he had just failed at that, right? He was sober-minded. You know what he was? He was walking uprightly, upright in heart. He was speaking the truth in his heart. I do not love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Just like some of you might be saying to Jesus right now. But Jesus says to Peter, oh, feed my lambs. I'll take your brotherly love, but come work for me. I'll take what you got. If it's just you like me, great. Let's work with that, but come work for me. Okay? So, verse 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, <laughs> Do you, agape, love me? Okay, this is getting crazy. So he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo love you. I, you know it's brotherly love, but yes, that's there. So then Jesus says, hey, man, tend my sheep. Come work for me. I'll take what you have to offer right now. I'll take the phileo love. You come, you come work for me. Okay, verse 17. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you phileo love me? So Jesus lowered the love down to, yes, I like you. You're a brother. I'm with you. And Peter said, yep, that's where I'm at. Isn't that cool? That's all he's asking. Just be honest with God. Where are you at with him? Do you just delight to do his will? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Literally, I live with Smurfs. Life is awesome. Or maybe you're, you're down where Peter is. Jesus, I really like you. I can't say anything bad against you. But I honestly don't love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm not going to be arrogant enough to say that I do because I know me. 
Maybe all of us should be there a little bit, hey? Because we know ourselves. How can I abide in you? I know I'm going to sin again. Right? Okay. So Jesus meets him, and then Peter's frustrated because he heard Jesus say brotherly love. Why didn't you say agape love? And Jesus gives him hope. In fact, he does more than that. So Jesus says, feed my sheep. Okay, so that's my command. Be a pastor is what he's saying to Peter. Verse 18, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. This is it, you guys. None of us are where we want to be. Not, not one of us is really agape love. Not yet. We're getting there. Jesus tells Peter, yep, you phileo love me right now, but the day's going to come when you're going to die for me. That's agape love. You guys, that's what God is working in you and in me. This willingness to die for him. That's the day we're actually headed for. We're not headed for mansions. We're headed for malaria. <laughs> A willingness to get sick because you're, you'll do anything he commands you because he's your friend. That's what we're coming up to. That's where we're going. That's going to be awesome. Amen? So you're not there yet. Big deal. Paul wasn't either. And he was way ahead of where we are. I have a uh, had. I sold it. Gas mileage. Horrible. Giant V8 engine. And everywhere I went, I would, there's this meter. And it says zero miles per gallon and 60 miles per gallon. And it always showed you where you were. And I was at like 12 miles per gallon all the time. Sometimes 10. I coast down a hill. It jumped to 60 for just a second. And I feel that way sometimes in my spiritual life. I'm looking at this meter, and I'm supposed to be at 60, and I'm this stupid V8 engine that'll never be more than 12. And so then I want to get a tune-up, new exhaust, new spark plugs, change my air filters. I got to get to that 60. And God is looking at you saying, nope, you're going to get to the 12, because he knows you're a V8 engine. You won't get to 60, you hybrids. All right. Our expectation of ourselves isn't always fair to ourselves, but our expectation of what God can do in us and will do in us, it should be mind-blowing what he's going to do. Amen? So he's going to take you to agape love, the best, the best place you'll ever find yourself, the best place you'll ever be, is loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just come before you. I thank you so much for this night. I thank you for your love. I thank you for making the, the commands in Deuteronomy actually possible in our hearts, our stiff-necked hearts. But God, that you are working in us a deeper love for you. Father, I just lift up anyone in here who was in that category of not knowing, not really loving you, just kind of thinking you're okay. And Lord, I pray that they would have a revelation of your love for them. 
Lord, a filling of your spirit through salvation, through understanding of you and your sacrifice for them. God, those who, those who know you and are growing toward loving you, I just pray that they'd be reminded that you have work for them. You set them apart for good works. Whether it's feeding the sheep, tending the lambs, whether it's declaring your glory in your name, Lord, I just pray that your love would compel them with a passion like your son had. And, and Father, there's those who are just like, man, this is awesome. I've been living in this truth. This is my joy. My joy is full. My joy is complete. God, would they get loud about that? Would they get loud about the, the wonder and the love of the Father that lives in them and, and lives through them? So, Father, as we just come before you and have communion, we, we set this communion apart. We ask that it would be consecrated unto you, Lord, that our hearts would be uh, attentive to your voice. Would you reveal to us where our, our love for you has fallen and faded? Lord, would you reveal to us where we're, we're condemning ourselves when, when, God, your expectation of us is, is well-pleased and Lord, would you cleanse us afresh and anew of the, the sins that weigh us down and set us free so we can walk in the Father's love, so we can be a light, so that we can be a power and an authority on this, this world that is waxing cold. We thank you. We thank you for communion. We thank you for your word, your truth, your encouragement. Holy Spirit, we love you. We give everything to you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.